We're back here on the Carolina Outdoors. No matter how you may be listening to us, whether it be via the airwaves early on a Saturday morning of WBT Radio, or possibly you subscribe to the Carolina Outdoors podcast, whichever way it is, we're glad that you're joining us, Wes Lawson and Bill Barty here. And Wes, you said it before you said it off air, things change here in the Charlotte area. Things close. One of those things was Price's Chicken Coop, and it's been an often celebrated uh, fried chicken place and more here in the Carolinas. Well, Bill, you had a chance earlier this week to gather around the microphone in the studio at Jesse Brown's with the man about town, our very own Christopher Long, to talk to him about his earliest memories at Price's and waiting in line for that last box of chicken. Yeah, my first memories of Price's Chicken Coop were in a little quiet industrial area that is now called South End. It is now bustling. It is not the industrial kind of warehousing manufacturing district that it was 20 years ago. And South End has certainly grown up all around Price's Chicken Coop, both figuratively and literally the building's tower over Price's little um, brick structure. So it's it's quite an interesting illustration in how Charlotte has grown and kind of what has stayed the same and what has changed. Of course, we're talking to you on the showroom within the outpost at Jesse Brown's Outdoors, another 50-plus-year-old business. Um, so thank you for talking to us about it. Tell us about your experience on that closing day because you were one of the hundreds of people lined up on June 19th after the surprisingly quick announcement of the close, closing. Um, what was it like being in line out there with your neighbors, uh, other fans of prices? That's right. So the announcement came on Thursday morning. So they had rest of the day Thursday. They had all day Friday and then all day Saturday until they would run out of food to be open. And I was down there on Saturday, I decided to arrive at 8 a.m. before their planned opening at 10 a.m. People had started to show up at 4.30 and 5 in the morning. And I waited in line, made friends with the people in line around me. It was a great experience, incredible community building um, for the hundreds of people that were in line and ended up getting my food in hand at 2 p.m. And it was interesting because throughout the day they would give updates both in person and via Facebook as far as what food had run out, what they had left, and it was very much um, an anticipation and a waiting game of by the time I get to the front door, is there going to be anything left? But, you know, once I was four plus hours in, I wasn't backing out. If uh, I only walked away with a cup of water, I was getting something from Price's Chicken Coop. What did you walk away with? I walked away with three fish sandwiches and a little cup of potato salad. Delicious. So Price's is, of course, you the founder of the Charlotte Signs Project, celebrating um, signs from the Charlotte community over the past several decades. In that book that you published, uh, Charlotte Signs of the Times, you have businesses just like prices in there. You also have uh, a listing or an update of the business. You know, this sign still in use, this sign in storage, this sign in someone's collection. Do you have to update the book? Because in the previous editions, it was 
in use now Price's Chicken Coop as far as the business is no longer. That's right. You know, we'll have to see. I, I doubt anyone's going to buy the business. I don't think that's an option, so I don't think the sign will continue to be used. Who knows what will happen to it? Um, so I definitely have my eyes on that ever-evolving situation to see what update to the book I need to make. Lastly, of course, I need to ask you this. You've spoken on this uh, in all aspects of signs, of Charlotte businesses and uh, of events and biz in the community. What does the closing of Price's Chicken Coop represent to other restaurants or other iconic businesses that have been a fabric of our community? What's it mean for Charlotte and its future in that regard? A few things, you know, I think one, it's important, it just illustrates how important it is for the community to support the, quote, local, the independent, the long-established either restaurants or retail locations or whatever businesses it might be um, in order, you know, because they've been around the block, they've, they've done this for years and prices... Um, case 59 years. I think another thing is with prices specifically it represents the loss of something more than just fried chicken and fried fish and fried shrimp. It represents um, quite a loss of a restaurant that really reflected the diversity and the welcoming of the consumers that walked into prices every single day. You know the line of hundreds of people that I was in on that Saturday was uh, quite a diverse and really an encouraging, you know, in the 21st century, a very neat environment to be a part of. And I think when you lose places like Prices, you lose a part and a semblance of that community and that um, togetherness. So that's one thing as well. The other thing, and you have to always look on the positive side, is you know, at one point Prices was new. At one point in 1962 there was this new little business that opened up and started selling fish and um, chicken to the workers around it. So there's always going to be businesses that are continually opening. Some in 2021 that have recently opened might be around in 59 or 60 years too. It just depends on the community support and how those businesses are received and um, how how um, you know long they last and uh, the way we support them. So it's it's all about supporting those that have been around the block a while, but also supporting the new ones that just might be around the block for a while too. Wes, every time Price's Chicken Coop comes up, it reminds me of the olden days at Jesse Brown's. Jesse Brown built a building over on South Tryon, forty three sixty nine South Tryon. It's not our address now, but it was our address then, just down the road from Price's Chicken Coop. And I can still remember the president of the North Face back in the late 1970s, uh, early 1980s, coming to Charlotte. And that's where lunch was purchased from, at Price's Chicken Coop. We brought in those boxes of fried chicken into Jesse Brown's. And from that point forward, the president of the North Face, his name was Jack Gilbert, great fella. He went on to become the president of Mountain Hardware uh, in the mid-1990s, a startup company that has had wild success from that point on. Whenever I would see Jack, and he was uh, older than me, a mentor in the outdoor industry, 
he would always ask about Price's chicken coop. So it, it always comes back to Jesse Brown's and learning a little bit about the influence of an eatery that we have here and have had here in town. You know, there's two foods, I think, that are kind of the, the great equalizer for people that brings us together, and it's fried chicken and it's watermelon, because no matter how hard you try, you're going to get a little dirty, and it tastes good, but it always takes you back to a memory, whether that's the CEO or president of, of a major corporation or getting together with family and friends. It's just remarkable. Well, count me in on both of those, because I, uh, I can go all the way with either of those good foods, <laughs> and, and they're prevalent all over the Carolinas. So that's an added bonus for being here. Something else that's an added bonus here in the Carolinas is a famed fishing tournament that just completed uh, last week. And there was an award ceremony. But there's also a deeper story to the Big Rock fishing tournament that just concluded. And uh, Wes, you had a chance to speak to somebody in studio Jesse Brown's as well. That's right, Bill. Our own Win May was down there in Moorhead City last week, June 18th, for that big weigh-in at the 63rd annual Big Rock. Win, tell us what you saw. You know, it was pretty crazy because when uh, when the boat gets the fish on the line, they have to call in. So everyone was expecting this fish. So there was a lot of people already at the waterfront. But when they started to come into the marina, you just saw a big crowd of people start running over to the big rock landing. When the boat pulled in, everyone was cheering. They, they tied the fish up and they started to do the weigh-in. At the end of the weigh-in, it came out as 60, uh, 656.5 pounds. It was insane. Everyone was cheering. They had trucks in the middle of the moorhead, like uptown waterfront part and everyone was standing on the boat surrounding the landing. It was wild. And you know, one of the most interesting parts about this is Cole Peering, who caught that 656 and a half pound fish just a day or two earlier, his older brother caught a 479.2 pound fish, which kept the boat widespread in third place at the time. What's even more ridiculous is his other brother has already weighed in a blue marlin in this tournament. They are the only set of three brothers in the history of this tournament to have done such when that's an incredible thing don't you think i would have to agree i mean just catching one marlin in this tournament that that is of size to be uh placing in the top three is crazy but catching two is really unheard of and just to put it in context so widespread the boat a 51 foot crown marine incorporated brought in the largest blue marlin, 656.5 pounds. Natural, a 56-foot Scarborough, weighed in a 521.6-pound blue marlin. And coming in at third, outnumbered, a 65-foot Viking, weighed in a blue marlin at 512.4 pounds. I'd say the 63rd annual Big Rock Tournament was a success. Wes, that sounds like a full-on family affair, not just winning this year, but the prior successes that those brothers in that family have had. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to think about that. It's one thing to catch a blue marlin anyway. That's, for most people, unobtainable or certainly the stuff of dreams. But for three brothers, two in the same tournament, to have leaderboard fish is kind of magical, and they need to go play the lottery now. But the other is, you know, the real setup to this, that day they were in third place. You know, widespread was in third place, which is still a very respectable spot. You know, four hundred some thousand dollars to go to the boat for that finish. 
and this young man is in the salon watching the golf tournament. Now, not not the beauty salon. Correct. So the salon is is the living room equivalent of of that in a sport fisher watching golf. And here's the commotion. The door opens up, and they say, "Get out here! Get in that fighting chair." You know that piece of furniture is maybe the most important chair on a boat, bolted in to the vessel. You're, it's not coming out. It's somewhere between a dentist chair and a torture device. You are stuck in there, in some cases, belted in. Because when you've got a 600-pound fish on the line, you can't fall over. That rod and that reel are going to be clipped in. You, you become one with the rod and the reel and the boat. And now he's got these two big diesel engines to work with him. So they can help you know, direct traffic with the boat. They can help bring in line. They can even help take out line if they need to to help work the angles with that fish. Those two huge props that are taller than a man is tall, churning up the water, backing down so he can get that line in there. They had that fish hooked up. I want to tell you it was around 3.30 in the afternoon, the last time the lines, you couldn't put new lines out. They didn't get into that dock that Wynn described until 10.30 that night to a crowd who was on edge because they brought a fish in. They didn't hook catch and release. And then that crowd heard a six in that lead number, and they went crazy <laughs> as Wynn described to us. It's just fascinating stuff. Of course, you know, last year our very own Michael Jordan won the Big Rock Tournament, so it is a it is a storied tournament. Wow. Well, and we'll post up one more reason to follow Jesse Browns on Facebook as well as our Instagram page. I'll put up a little three-second video that Wynn had at that awards ceremony, and uh, it was great to hear him. Of course, this is one of his peers. They are around the same age or so. So um, another fun celebration happening here in the Carolinas with the conclusion of the Big Rock. We'll post up that that quick video of that award ceremony with the fish hanging in the background. Thanks for covering that, Wes, and uh, thanks everybody for listening. We're going to take a quick break and come back and cover a whole bunch of the Carolina outdoors and bass fishing right after this.